The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206 451 42 I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. Podcastville, you found the Bystander Podcast. I am your host, Tiny Tim, the Mr. Rogers of Podcasting, aka the King of Casual. Today I have a special guest in Bill Worland, the co-founder of Here Here, a new traveling app that I absolutely am in love with and want to tell you about it, but we need to find out more about it from Bill himself. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks, Tim. Good. So if I you correct me if you Tell me your elevator speech on the way here. But uh, <laughs> basically, I found this app where it's here, like the location you're at. And here, like you would audible lies something much like a podcast. It works on a, what do you call it, a notification um, system where you start driving towards a certain area and a notification will come on of four minute or so. 400 word little essay audio podcast telling you about a site that's on your road trip and that you may want to visit. Did that summarize it a little bit? Um, yeah, that's a pretty good summary. I, what, what I, the, the premise of the app, Tim, is that no matter where you go, you're traveling through stories. Mm. And the stories can be the history of the place. It can be the cultures. Uh, which is always pretty interesting. Local insights, uh, the geology, the natural wonders of the area. Uh, what colorful characters lived here? Uh, was there is there music? Is there a music aspect to the area, et cetera? So there's mm. there's eight categories, and we find these stories 
and we give each one of the stories a GPS coordinate. So we pinpoint the stories on a map, and then we set up an active range around that story. And when you, as you're traveling, cross the circumference of that active range, the story starts to play. So what we're trying to accomplish is what you're looking at out your windows, you'll start hearing about it. So it will give you just this perspective of, you know, as you're traveling along. The classic example we use is how many times have you been bumping along and you see a sign that says historical marker, two miles. Mm-hmm. You, go into the, you go into the mental gyration, should I stop? Should, oh, yeah, oh, I should, you know, you're by it. Then it goes to, I'll just catch it on the way back, right? And that about it. ever happens. So what we do is a historical marker, two miles, the story starts playing and it tells you what that historical marker is as you're cruising through that area. That's probably a little bit better than a plaque. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a little less slamming on the brakes and getting out, running over to the plaque, jumping back in and going again. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been absolutely a blast creating this thing. And I, I I think I mentioned to you the other time that we chatted, I'll get a call from a narrator or writer every other week or so, and they'll just be laughing and they'll say, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, the stories are crazy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We got a story, I guess it's two months ago now. Uh, a young fellow falls in front of a train in a commuter train station from New Jersey to New York City called East Path. And this is the this station's been there since the 1800s. And this was in the late 1860s. And a guy standing on the platform reaches down, grabs the kid by the collar, pulls him up from in front of the train, the incoming train that's coming in. The kid that fell in front of the train, young man, <clears throat> was Abraham Lincoln's son. Mm. The guy who pulled him out was John Wilkes Booth's brother. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. It's it's nut. It's just nuts. You you get all these just these unbelievable stories and the truth is stranger than fiction. You know, I, I laughingly tell all the science fiction writers, take a back seat. I got, I got real stories for you. Yeah. We we're connected in a, in a weird way ourselves, actually. Um, you have a, a business partner in um, Woody Sears and uh-huh. Kevin Costner and they're the other co-founders. Um, what's Kevin do again? No, just uh, you know he's he's a struggling actor. You know, I'm, I, we kind of hope he's going to make it one of these days. He's a a great storyteller himself. Um, you also have two venture capitalists that I want to get to a little bit later that I have a, a few connections to as well. In in Marcus the Prophet and uh, Kevin Durant, our, our rookie Seattle Sonic player back in the day here in Seattle. So the five of you guys are motoring right along. And I was kind of wondering how you guys all connected yourselves. Um, was it Woody had an idea, was talking to Costner's wife, she introduced him, they had a little chat, then you come along, then you know a couple guys that got a, got a little bit of a angel investment money to toss around? I'll, g- I'll give you a little bit of the story. I <clears throat> was originally from Colorado. And my grandfather was a hard rock miner, rancher, 
semi-politician. He was director of state institutions back there and so on. And when I was 14, 15, uh, I got uh, volunteered, happily volunteered, and I guess that would be the appropriate term, to drive him around Colorado and New Mexico, visiting iron placer mines down at Silver City, New Mexico, or you know the the nut ward over in uh, in down down on the 265 along the southern edge of of Colorado. I can interject and real quick. Did you ever uh, check out Taos in New Mexico? Oh sure, you bet. What'd you think of that? No, well, I spent uh, that, that's there's another part of the story for you. Okay. So um, as I would travel, as I was driving him, I had this verbal encyclopedia in the passenger seat telling me <laughs> about the towns and the yeah, battles. Yeah. And he could look at a hillside and see the mine dumps going up the hillside. And he could tell me where the vein was relative to the mine dumps, how these mountains you know, came, to, came together and so on. And so my first real experiences from traveling was to have this constant uh, litany of information about what I was seeing out the windows or the local area. When I got out of school, uh, it was just really at the start of the ski industry, the first, you know, it's the first big blush of the ski industry. And I became a road dog salesman traveling from ski area to ski area and sport shop to sport shop in eight Western states. And so I was on the road, you know, sometimes six hours, five, six hours at a time. And I had this palpable loss of information coming. And I'm, I, I just found myself saying, why, what do people do? Why do people live here? You know, how do they make a living? Wow, that's a pretty cool strata of rock. I wonder what it is, et cetera. So the original idea coalesced a little bit to make a brochure a trifold brochure based on mile markers along these brand new things that were just being created called interstate highways. And that'll also give you an indication as to the color of my hair with a little bit of white and white and gray. Um, and I would pick these mile markers and just do a little paragraph at mile marker 263. This is Georgetown, Colorado. It has the Hamill house. There's some old mine, you know, just, that's what you would get. And that was the original idea. And as with probably many good ideas or many ideas, I'm not sure I'll qualify it quite yet, uh, that disappeared in between the ears and didn't surface for, shall we say, decades. My wife and I returned from living offshore in 2012 and probably 2016, something like that, I get a phone call from this guy, Woody Sears. And Woody's, I had hired Woody's cousin to do a, a sportswear line for a company that I was running a few years earlier. And Woody called and said, my cousin Rob says I should meet you and get to know you a little bit. Huh? Great. Happy to do so. So we had a lunch here in Santa Barbara. And great great lunch. And Woody filled me in. He had a great technical background. Uh, he worked for AT&T and really was global communications fellow for, for uh, AT&T. And at the end of the conversation, he said, if you ever had an idea that could work on the internet, let me know. And I said, well, you know, here's one that's always been kind of appropriate. It's kind of a, uh, you know, a located deal. 
and that was it. That was the ignition point. Woody fell in love with it, and that's really what fired us up. Fast forward two years, and you were pretty close, actually. Uh, Woody's wife was at the elementary school playground of where Kevin's children go. And the two mothers were talking about, you know, what are the husbands doing, what's going on, et cetera. And uh, Brooke, Woody's wife, mentioned to Christine, uh, Kevin's wife, about this thing called Here, Here. And Christine said, Kevin would go absolutely bananas on this thing. Because he's a storyteller, right? He's a storyteller and loves, absolutely fascinated with history. And he laughingly says his kids hate to go on a road trip with him. Because he's always saying we got to stop at every road marker, at every historical marker. And they go, oh, dad, not another, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and no. so it, he just, he absolutely jumped in with both feet. Uh, and he had, he had one request, really. And it was something that really fell in line with kind of what Woody and I believe in and, and so on. He wants to tell, he wants here, here to tell the story of America through the eyes of the indigenous people that were here first. Uh, so we've really, we, we've put that into a special uh, category, a special way of telling those stories. Uh, we've broken it into two parts. And the first part is a longer version of story that Kevin, uh, and Kevin narrates all of these. And it's done by the section of the country. So Southern California, Central California, Northern California, Northwest type stuff, all of which have these stories. And these stories are 12 to 15 minutes long. So they're the, they're the one set or the one type of stories that are outside of our normal format. Uh, but these stories, what was the people's, the, the first people's life before the foreigners came, what happened when the foreigners came, which is generally generally pretty bleak, and where it, what's going on in that area of the country now. So he narrates that those three components of a very longer story. The other side of that is where we get the elders of the tribes uh, to tell the legends of the tribe. So they'll talk about the sky or the sky god and the earth mother and how the people migrated from one area to the other using a rainbow bridge. <laughs> you know, and you get these old voices telling this story, and it's just it's remarkable. It truly is remarkable. So that's how Kevin got involved. Nice. And then uh what you made know, you the, decide the, to get more seed money for this project? Was this what, a labor of what, love or was this something that you wanted to actively get seed money and start scaling? Start scaling. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not a, it is not an inexpensive uh, hobby. <laughs> if you, if you want to call it that it's. You're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, it, it uh, because we, we have to find this, find the story then we research the story, then we write the story, then we edit the story, and then we narrate it. And so there's yeah. a there's a fairly healthy um, investment in each story. Yeah. And, you know, right now we're right at 9,000 stories across the U.S. Uh, and more every day. Um, but it's a it's a task at, at the high point of our 48 stort 48 stort. 48 state start 
uh, as we were filling all 48 states, uh, we had 14 writers and eight narrators going on a daily basis. And we've, we've scaled that back a little bit right now because it, it's, we are getting a, a wave, if you will, of people, just common, common people. That's not it. Um, local residents that call up and say, well, you don't have a story in my town. I have one for you. Mm-hmm. So there's this wave of stories coming. It's, it's very fun. And to talk to these individual people, they're just so excited about being able to have their story in that town for posterity where anybody can hear it as they go through. Yeah, that's an awesome thing too. And the more people that contribute, the more diversity you'll have and yeah, equitable stories that cross the whole United States. Exactly. How did, how did you get in Kevin Durant and uh, Marcus on board to uh, be part of the project? Um, I, you know, I, Woody has been, I, I have really kind of not isolated, but segregated myself over into the, all the content. I mean, that's our product. So the whole content delivery side, Woody's been on the tech and fundraising side for it. And I think literally as if nothing else here, here would be a classic, um, case study in serendipitous meetings really i mean it's <laughs> i was in colorado in uh 2019 and i was in my home little hometown has 700 people on a good saturday night and we're sitting in the local uh diner my brother and my wife and i and my brother said you know i just got an interesting call or i, I just saw on facebook that was it I saw on Facebook this guy I haven't seen in 20 years. He was in the windsurfing business, and he was an editor and a publisher of Windsurfing Magazine and Stand Up Paddle Magazine. And I know that he was a, a history nut. And he said, he might, he might, you know, there's a chance he might be interested in here, here. And I said, oh, great. You know, get hold of him. Let's find out what's going on. I end up talking to this fellow by the name of Clay Feeder. And he lives in York, Maine, which is right on the border of Massachusetts and Maine. And I called him up and I, I Otto's my brother and, you know, a lot of back and forth there. And that's cool and history and reminiscing. And I said, here's what we're doing. And he goes, oh, this sounds really good. This sounds, I'm a history, I'm a civil war and revolutionary war guy. Cool. I said, well, you know, if you ever have any stories, oh yeah, I can get you stories. All right. Why don't you do this? Why don't you take a look from Portland, Maine, down to Boston? You know, it's a hundred, hundred mile, hundred plus miles there. I said, give me a couple stories and uh, see how you do it. You know, we're looking for stories in the 350 to 450 word range. <laughs> Two days later, he calls back. He goes, I got 75 stories for you. Wow. He went, he went ballistic and he goes, yeah. And in, in Maine, this, this is so cool in Maine. I got some stories about a very distant cousin of mine, Daniel Webster. Mm. I went, really? Daniel Webster. My grandmother, her name is Frances Ann Webster. And we are cousins to the Daniel Webster. I ended up being cousins with this clay feeder guy. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my. It, it, it's just been one thing after another of this stuff. It's just, it's been hilarious. And just, you know, it's, Claudia just goes, is this another one of those chance meetings? I'm going, yeah, 
I mean, it's, it's, it just, <laughs> it happens. It happens all the time. Those might, those got to keep you young and happy and, and fun to discover, you know, unique people with unique stories all over the world. Yeah. And, and, and the people are, they're, they're just so excited. You know, it's, it's a passion. Um, you can get very, you know, you can get really over the top on it, but storytelling is how humans have passed wisdom and, and uh, down through the ages, the story, the stories, of the elders. I, I firmly have been on that soapbox for years, a small school. I was the head of international uh, school in Japan and the headmaster and I felt so strongly about the stories of the elders. We would have them come in and speak to the classes uh, and, and tell the stories. And, you know, we, I think we get our now in particular, what, well, this is, this has gotten very interesting and we're looking at uh, variations on this, but we've had a lot of people come back to us and say, you know, I was driving with my son or my daughter, or we were in the car driving and we heard a hear her story. And even better than the story was the conversation that it engendered afterwards. Yes where the kids started asking questions about this, that, and the other things. And they said they got their heads up off their phones. They're outside looking and listening as they're traveling along. So as I, I say, it's, you know, given rise to other thoughts on educational opportunities or field trip opportunities and so oh, on. Yeah. But this, it's the whole idea of storytelling and, and how people just love it. They just absolutely love it. So tell me a little bit of, story about your background and what took you to Japan. You were doing sporting goods over there. Do you speak Japanese? Uh, did you live over there? I spent the majority of my career in the outdoor business. Mm -hmm. uh, when I, as I say, I was a, a ski rep, you know, just a, just a <laughs> traveling salesman, <laughs> no matter how you paint the picture. See, you were a young hustler and then now I'm seeing it all connect and <laughs> then you go on to uh, be the president of North Face and somewhere in between you dillied with that and dallied with that, the other that's about the way it worked yeah i spent almost 19 years with the north face uh started the skiwear division wow. with a couple other guys uh then in five years as president of the north face and then had a had a couple of companies what is that companies. you're doing sorry you keep going over the microphone or something with and oh, it makes sorry. a swooshing noise that we can't hear you sorry sorry um you know, 19 years with the North Face, five as president, and then a couple of small companies. And then uh, a buddy of mine, a fellow by the name of Michael Crook, who's a, a professor now down at University of Oregon. Uh, Be a tough name he, for a banker. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, he became president of uh, Patagonia. Hmm. And so I called him up, and this was in late 1999. And I called him up just to really to find out how he'd survived his first three months with Chenard, because that's, you know, that's, that's not always the easiest thing in the world. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, well, hey, if you ever have anything come up outside the United States that you, you, know, you need somebody like me, uh, let me know. Two days later, he calls back and he said, would that include Japan? And I, you know, I, Claude and I had talked at long, and the, and the reason I asked him the question in the first place 
is we wanted to take our two young children. Uh, they were in probably 10 and 11, I believe. And uh, we wanted to give them an experience outside the U.S. We wanted them to experience other cultures and see other places and so on. So we absolutely, let's do it. Uh, so we signed up for a two-year contract. And uh, we came back after 13 years over there. Wow. So I ran Patagonia over there for nine years and then Burton Snowboards for a couple of years and then Asia Pacific for Keen Footwear for a couple of years. Keen Footwear is like hiking shoes and such? Yeah, yeah out of Portland. Yeah, I've seen them and, here and there. Yeah, it's a good brand, great brand. And uh, so that was that, you know, that's a very quick snapshot of the, of uh, professional history. Still sit on a few boards and, and uh, a couple of nonprofits, but all my time pretty darn much right now is focused on here, here. Okay. What's next for here, here? More stories, uh, more stories, more stories. It, it, you know, we we get real happy with ourselves. <laughs> hey, we got 9,000 stories. 9,000 stories. Isn't even, it's not even close to a drop of water in a hundred gallon bucket. Uh, you know, the number yeah. of sto- this number of stories that are out there. Well, I took a trip towards the peninsula and I was like, oh, I could tell them about this. I could tell them about that. You know, I'm always playing the tour guide either here in the peninsula or in Belltown and downtown Seattle because I lived there for 15 years right adjacent to the Pike Place Market. So there's been so much history in downtown that I've been a part of. And, you know, well, it's just anybody like, comes you know, into town, I grab them by the arm and I'm like, let me tell you a story. <laughs> there you go. You know, you're, you, you will be as addicted as I am to this thing. You'll be sitting there having a conversation and somebody will just start telling you about a, a relative or a place they've been. And you'll, it'll just go, you look at them and you go, well, that's a hear, hear story. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, it's people uh, had a good friend of mine say, I should rent myself out to cocktail parties because I can give them stories, you know, at this point from all over the U S easily. But looking forward, we've had some very, uh, well, it, it's actually in process, interest from a couple of guys in Australia. Uh, we've had a good European contact, which is going to be a really interesting um, thing over there when we when we get over there. Because it's, you know, you'll have the local languages, and then we're thinking about how to address tourism and all the rest of it. So, and it, laughingly out here in the West where you and I are, you know, we kind of look at story levels or, or the, the quantity of stories in a given area in levels. Mm-hmm. Our first level out here is the 18 early 1800s. Right. I mean, there's a few stories about the pine or the, the, you know, the, the guides and the woodsmen and the Kit Carsons and the Lewis and Clark. Right. But then there's it, you know, things really started popping with the gold rush and all of those things. <laughs> you go back east uh, and you go up the keys. Now we're dropping down into the 1500s and the 1600s and mm-hmm. you know the, all of this. You get to Europe, oh, we're only going to drop down a thousand years over there and have stories. You know, it's just crazy. It's hard to find somebody around from that era to tell you the story, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I would think that, uh, yeah, my wife's on a New York to Arizona road trip right now got to get that app out to her right now as soon as possible because she was asking about it this morning going hey i'd like to try that out uh, sounds like a cool idea 
but I, I think there's probably besides history, there's few and far between, I think landmarks so much as, as on the coast cities, if you're driving right down the middle or route mm -hmm. 66 or to wall right. drugstore. Sure. Um, there's, well, as I say, we have eight categories uh, and those categories are history. And there's a, there's one school of thought that says anything that happened yesterday or before can fall into that category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, so history, special places of interest, uh, culture, colorful characters, local insights, uh, natural wonders, music, and sports. So those are the categories. And the sports can, you know, I can talk about the ski areas, the oldest ski areas, the newest ski areas, uh, what's going on. You know, there's, there's been a few things or a story or two on just the, uh, the issues of weather and so on. Um, we do stories like, uh, and, and these are uh, local, I think, uh, where do we have these in local insights? Uh, the Conservation Alliance, which is the federation, if you will, or group collection of outdoor companies that contribute to save, physically save, you know, it's not a lobbying organization, it's actual work to save areas of the country. Wherever they've made those success, had those successful stories, we tell that story, we put that story up. I think you totally align with somebody like the Sierra Club or yeah. some of these yeah. huge, like Cascade Bicycle club sure you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of bicyclists that spend some time on the road is there any room for true true crime true crime sure yeah. um yeah um uh, i have a story come to mind right away but yes there are uh, dillinger and and um we had a lot on dillinger we have got stories on bonnie and clyde we've got you know all those kind of stories are yeah. there um because out here we had ted bundy and uh green river killer and you know in california there was a lot yeah um not the most attractive story i guess if you're no <laughs> and, and you know some on. of the stories i we don't worry i tend to try and call ourselves a facilitator as opposed to a storyteller uh, that's the company specifically um the storytellers tell the story. Yes, we produce the stories or we have produced most, well, we produced 99% of the 9,000. Uh, but those stories are vetted. Uh, they go through a, a vetting process to make sure that they are true, you, you know, and there's sometimes there's slightly different takes of the same story. And we try and do that. And we've had, we've had uh, listeners, Say, hey guys, you didn't quite get this right, or you know, you... <laughs> yeah, where, where you live to try and get the right pronunciations. <laughs> yes, I wave the white flag all the time as a narrator. I'm just going, oh, we're man. we're near the Salish Sea here, and there's indigenous names to so much, and oh man, it's anybody crazy. that comes over here, I I excuse them for their ability to speak <laughs> well I'm, i i thank you for that however our listeners from the northwest aren't quite as forgiving as you are we uh, they let us know right away if we've screwed that one up and that's and but that's the way it should be and that's so, and that's fine besides the five of you that are the big team do you have employees and how many employees do you have to do this because i'm sure 
with Kevin Costner doing narration and shooting a top show right now. Yeah. Um, time. You know, really, the, 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 the full-time employees are five. Uh, and then we have contracted narrators and writers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we have a, a participating, if you will, board of advisors. Uh, we, you know, an advisor who has a has some uh, part- equity participation is the CTO, chief technical officer, uh, and these are people that just they love here here. You know, they're willing to do it, uh, betting on the come, if you will. Uh, some of the narrators uh, have some of the key narrators have stepped up in that exact same way. I just want to be part of this. I want to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. So that's it's it's really it's unique in that way i mean it's it's a business yes but and and again not to get overly melodramatic and so on but if we can do this right uh we will be leaving a legacy mm-hmm. that all of these stories will be there for generations yes it's a pretty awesome idea i think very highly of it my um political co-host joel underwood always says that we're leaving a legacy in our conversations regarding politics. And this is the fifth year of doing this. And my father's day gift is my son hosting a conversation with me every year. Oh, cool. um, I understand passion projects and how leaving a legacy about others is, is important and uh, a great idea. That's good. Very cool. Good for you. Well, Bill, Bill Worland, thank you for your time today. Um, go out and get the app here, here. You've been listening to the bystander. Be kind. <laughs>